0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Your Equity podcast, where investors with a special emphasis on couples begin, continue, and deepen their journey to financial freedom together using the powerful vehicle of real estate investing to do it. Today, we have an amazing guest, Dr. Jeff Anzalone. He's a full-time practicing periodontist in Louisiana and author and founder of the DebtFreeDoctor.com. That's DebtFreeDR.com. His focus is on helping doctors and other high-income professionals create passive income, from real estate so they they can stop trading time for their money. So this was a a wonderful, wonderful podcast, and it was so great to hear it from um, a doctor who felt stuck, felt that he needed an insurance policy and went into real estate investing. And so I highly resonated with it. What did you think?
1: Yeah, this was a great show. A lot of practical tips here from just getting yourself into a place where you're financially stable enough to start investing passively, especially if you're one of those investors who maybe doesn't have a lot of time to invest but wants to try to build up some passive income on the side, right? This is the absolute best show for you because Dr. Jeff brings a lot of great wisdom in from years and years of doing this. And also uh, under extreme circumstances as well, which we'll find out more in the show. All right. So with that being said, we're going to instead of just continue to talk about it, we're just going to bring him on the show. So without further ado, here's Dr. Jeff. All right. And Jeff, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. How are you today on this fine Friday morning? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Looking Um, forward to it. Yes, us too. Us too. Let's get going here and let's start off with how you got into the field of real estate and real estate investing. What kind of got you excited about the field? And you know, we read a little bit about your history, but we want to hear directly from you as to how this all kind of came to be.
2: Yeah, good question. Thinking back on it, it, it actually all came from a minor s- snow skiing accident. We we love to ski and we were at Beaver Creek one year, got off the ski lift, started down the slopes and got behind one of those ski schools, you know, the kids are all in line and you know, sometimes a wild one will break off from the group, you know, like my kids do, or used to do and cut right in front of me. Well, in order to avoid killing him and killing myself, I swerved. And when I fell, you know how, when you fall, you naturally catch yourself with your hands. Well, I got up and, you know, luckily it wasn't anything major, but I, I did have some wrist pain. And that really started the, the conversation in my mind thinking, because you never think about getting sick until you're sick. You never think about being injured until you're injured. And I started thinking, well, my whole Families and, you know, well-being and everything all focuses on, you know, my hands that that provides the income. What would happen if I couldn't do that? I didn't have a clue what to do, where to start, where to go. But that was the very first thing that opened my eyes that I got to have to do something more as a sort of an insurance type policy to other streams of income instead of just one. Wow, that's that's awesome. So, where did that lead you after that? Because I know a lot of people
1: would have the same type of questions, right? It's like, if something so serious happens, like where, what, what kind of logic would you follow after that? Like, how did you end up connecting the dots between understanding you need an insurance policy to going to real estate investing or helping you get some alternative income streams coming in?
2: I'm a, a big reader. I, I read probably five to seven books a month, and Probably last year, I started listening more to podcasts. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, typically when I'm on a treadmill or something like that. That's how I wind up finding you guys. So enjoy listening to, to your show too, for sure. But I uh, just started reading both books and reading and doing searches online to figure out what other people were doing for additional income streams, specifically people that were in my field, you know, being a, a doctor. And there was a few sites out there that talked about that, doing different side hustles, mainly most at that time, and this was probably six, seven years ago, it was all about doing different side hustles. You know, you could do this little job or you could work extra shifts, you could do this or that, and I didn't want to pull more time away from my family So I wanted to keep what I was doing, but try to, if possible, actually even lower that, lower the amount of time working in the clinic, which I've been able to do, but also provide different streams of income. Not so much because we want to buy a bunch of stuff. It's again, if something happened to me or if I want options to either retire early or do something else, I would have that. So the the more that I read and educated myself, the more that I realized that the multi, multi, multi millionaires, the really wealthy people, over 90% of them had real estate in their portfolio. And I didn't. The only, only thing that I had at that time was our primary residence. So that actually started me down the road to shifting to, okay, well, I need to start learning about this real estate stuff. And then we sat down, my wife and I sat down, which I think is very important to come up with okay, you know, this is where we are, this is where we want to go. What are what are some of our goals? And again, we we didn't want to have more time away. But the only thing that I that we knew about real estate at that time was you had to go and physically buy property, you had to manage it, you had to be the landlord. That didn't seem very appealing at the time, but that that was the only thing that I thought was out there. So I have a couple of friends in, in my area that they their family owns a lot of property so i i went with them and and really picked their brains a lot and and it, it was a lot of work cuz that, that was their full time job i wasn't too crazy about it but we actually started looking at some single family homes and then i went to a meeting in dallas thinking that it was going to be about you know learning more about how to manage real estate and this and that but it really opened my eyes to all the other different ways that somebody could invest in real estate without taking out more time without being a landlord. So once I gathered all that information, I started looking into it, which led me first to crowdfunding online. That was when it started getting real big and then, you know, continued from there. Excellent. Now, thank you for sharing.
1: So I wanted to back up a little bit more on this and I wanted to ask you, it seems like you were kind of eventually making your way from single family homes and your early investigation to finding multifamily, right? But then, you know, there's this whole real estate realm, you you realize that all of these wealthy individuals ended up using real estate as an income vehicle for a lot of their for what they do, you know, and and, and how they build their net worth. Can I ask you where your wife and family were on all of this conversation? Because I mean, uh, I can tell uh, from the way that you're talking that you're very intentional and you really like to read and you like to find new stuff out and solve problems, right? Mm -hmm. And help fix things. Um, So could you walk us through what that conversation looked like at home? like How that vision set, that goal setting discussion went and why you guys eventually came and how you guys both eventually came on the
2: same page? I think back at that ski trip, that really started the conversation, you know, between us for sure, which got us to, to looking more into different ways for income streams. I would run different things by her. You know, what do you think about this? Uh, She actually started doing some work for some of the different multi-level marketing companies. One of them, she still does today, uh, Monate. I don't know if you're familiar with that hair product. So she was actually, she, she's my hygienist, but she was actually looking for side gigs for her because she wasn't working full time. She didn't really have a whole lot of interest in the real estate so much as she does now. She's really interested in it now because she sees how much it's not only been able to change our lives, but how it's changing other people's lives. And, and I, I was talking to you before the call, She's actually at the beach right now um, at Destin with one of our kids, but we're in the process, our group's in the process of purchasing some vacation homes. And one of them we just purchased is like a half a mile in Destin from where Mm -hmm. she's staying. So when I called her this morning, she was actually taking a walk this morning with her friend to, to go look at it. And before we started learning about real estate, she never had any interest or anything like that. But it seems now that that it kind of actually made our marriage stronger because we have something else common that we can talk about, and you know she talks about it to her friends and that sort of thing. So that's been real cool to see that whole way that that's worked.
1: That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, you can see that she's starting to get more and more active and in taking initiative on her own. That's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. That's how you can tell that you're definitely aligned on the same path. That's really great. So one thing I wanted to ask, I know Sophie's got some questions too that she wants to ask, but I have to ask you this too. You're known as the debt-free doctor, right? And so one of the big things that I see is also part of your insurance policy against yourself in case something happens or you know, you're know, you just just looking for some sort of financial security is being debt-free. And can you talk a little bit more about how that fits in with your real estate investing and, and how that fits in with your general brand and, and how important each of those two pillars are to you?
2: Yeah, great question. When I originally started the, the website, th- it was actually right when I just started investing in real estate. So I didn't really have much experience. So at that time, my goal was to teach people, mainly doctors, other high-income professionals that, that typically acquire a lot of debt like student loan debt. Just wanted to walk people through my experience of having a job offer fall through, having to learn everything on my own, having all this debt, getting out of debt, using many of the Dave Ramsey principles at that time and then just some basic investing advice. So that was the original plan for the website. I wanted to get the whole, you know, the whole URL debt-free doctor, but that was already taken. So I had to get debt-free DR, but, but anyway, it's actually a little bit shorter. So, but again, that was the plan for the site. But as I started learning more about real estate, mainly passive real estate and seeing how it can really help people, especially now. And, and I know your wife probably knows about this, how prevalent physician burnout is getting. It's, it's really, really high. Unfortunately, I've had two friends, one a, a dentist in town and one of my best childhood friends was a physician. Uh, both took their lives a few years ago and some of it had to do with financial issues. If we could just get the word out, you know, the more people that can get the word out just to show people, hey, you know, if you're stuck in any career, you, you don't have to be. Life's too short. There's other options out there to get you out. So, That's when I really started shifting the site now more to focused on real estate or getting the mindset to invest in real estate, different resources, books, that sort of thing. Just to open people's mind that there's a lot more out there than if you're miserable in your career, there's a lot more out there and resources that can help.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Jeff. And I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your friends. And and it, you're right, it's so prevalent. And it, the irony there is that, you know, we're taught in our society to go to school to get educated to go for the high paying jobs. And yet, we're not taught that it comes with certain Consequences and ramifications long term. And especially like for physicians going into solo practice, there's a whole level of understanding the business side that we aren't taught in school either. And so I I just wanted to ask you, you know, understanding that you as a doctor, your time is so precious and valuable, you know, how are you balancing this whole endeavor with real estate investing with your current really busy schedule? What advice can you give other doctors who are, like you said, stuck in burnout? probably miserable and feeling like they can't get out of what they're doing. How can they transition into being a debt-free doctor like you?
2: Well, to answer your first question, I've always heard, and and you've probably heard too, you know, when you find something that you're really passionate about or you love, it it doesn't feel like a job. And, you know, before all this, I was like, yeah, whatever. But it's true. I mean, I I love eat, breathe and sleep this stuff. I love it. I do research and write articles in in between patients Today is Friday. I don't, I don't see patients on Friday, so I typically will focus uh, a lot of the time that I would be treating patients, and I'm able to get a lot of it done on Fridays. And I try to keep the majority of, of my weekends free, you know, again, for family time. But I do have a, a pretty set schedule when I work clinically, uh, when I work out or do school functions or sport functions for my kids, you know, spend time with my wife, you know, everything is, is blocked out as much as possible. So that's kind of how I juggle my time with that. To answer your second question, really the following those Dave Ramsey principles early on really helped me because I think if we don't jump on it, that the, a lot of the student loan debt, whether it's from undergraduate or you know medical or dental school or whatever, or, or law school or, or whatever profession you're in, You know, you're going to let that lifestyle creep happen. You're going to get the house and you're going to have kids and then you're going to need a bigger house and better cars. And you just keep putting off a lot of that consumer debt to the point where, you know, I'll have conversations with people in their 50s, sometimes 60s that still have student loan debt and other debt that I'm like, man, what are you doing? You know, they can't even afford a wedding for their kids and just because they have so much debt. So if I can catch somebody right out of training that's used to living on beans and rice and $30,000 a year, well, I'm like, look, you know, just keep living like that just for a few more years and it will just be so much better for the next 50 years if you can do that.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Very well said. I think that Sophie and I also had that similar type of discussion early on. And it took some convincing to show that this was actually going to work, right? Because, you know, a lot of people feel like living that debt free or the, you know, slashing debt lifestyle from Dave Ramsey, that takes a lot of dedication, and it takes purpose. Uh, And there has to be a reason behind it or else it won't stick or the other person in the relationship won't really understand why this is happening. So I think that it always starts with like the vision of what it is that's possible. And so I think that that's a really, really important thing. How would you say would that also uh, have that also applied to you guys as well? Um, did that was that also part of the conversations you had that one day on the ski slopes as well?
2: Yeah, well, for people that are actually watching this, you can see I have a whiteboard behind me, but we had a, a small whiteboard started this um, journey getting out of debt. And basically we would list you know, list our debts. I'm a very visual person, you know, smallest to largest, and you know, had a bunch of different student loans. And then the last one, of course, was the was the mortgage. And, you know, we could, you know, mark it off every month. You know, you could see that top number going down and the, the more money that, that we were bringing in, you know, the higher, the, the quicker that first number was coming down. And then it just started again. That's why it's called the debt snowball. Then we roll it over, roll it over. And then you get to the point where you're really excited and, should we go out to eat tonight or should we put the money, you know, we, we were like, we were like that crazy at, at one point. And then once we knocked out all that debt, it, it was a really good feeling to have, especially paying off the house. And it's just a great feeling to have that, you know, some people don't want to do it. They, they think that they can invest the difference and, and still have all that. But that, I think that's why it's called personal finance. It's whatever personally fits you, you know, you and your spouse's goals.
1: Yeah, I think that's really great. I think that gamification is, is is absolutely essential, right? Because then then it's like you're competing against yourselves, and you're like, well, I think we can do this quicker, and it's just a really cool, really cool thing to see. Yeah, and Sophie and I, we've we've done that too. Uh, we did the the envelope system. Uh, we went out and we pulled out, uh, you know, as much uh, cash as we were going to live for some of our expendables, you know, that, that weren't like fixed expenses that went out of the bank account directly. So doing that activity is something that we're also really passionate about too, because sitting down and reviewing, you know, what's going to happen the next month as a couple say, okay, you know, do we have birthdays? Do we have to plan for, you know, Christmas now, or do we have to plan for like, you know, giving gifts later? And we'd have like accruals, like we would take some cash out and put it into an envelope as a separate savings account for a specific like for gift giving or for something like that. Right. So we got really sophisticated into that. But it was a really good thing for us to sit down every month to talk as a couple of where our money is going to go. So that was something in the early years that we really cherished and helped bring to the table.
0: Yeah. And I want to add to that. Um, it, it wasn't without resistance from me. <laughs> And, you know, for our audience, of course, like there, there's couples out there who aren't necessarily on the same page financially. And so Jeff, how can couples like better communicate when it comes to living the Dave Ramsey lifestyle, you know, and can you kind of share what you and your wife went through and as you were going through this whole process?
2: Yeah. We, we just, uh, again, sat down with, with our goals. We listed all, all of our debts. We, we knew that we wanted to tack that smaller debt first. So I think if everybody's on the same page and you, you don't have one going to Amazon or Zappos every day and the other person going to work, you know, so if, it has to be a team effort or it's going to be really really rough to to do and and then also on top of that if one person all they're doing is spending and another person's trying to get out of debt well think about what that's effect can have on your marriage i mean it could have a very very negative effect so it really important to have an open communication, but also have a little fun every now and then, you know, don't go five or six years with never going to a restaurant or going to a vacation, you know, but maybe set little, you know, if I could do it over again, I would have probably set some different uh, milestones or, hey, you know, once we knock off X amount in debt, you know, we're going to go to the beach or, or what, something like that. So um, again, you know, make it fun. Don't have to be so serious because whether you do it in five years or seven years, you're still going to do it, get rid of all that debt. So I think that's real important.
1: Yeah. And again, I think it comes down to being on the same page, right. And understanding what the goals are, because for me, like I, you know, I, I'm getting flashbacks now to when I was, I just graduated college and I first found out about Dave Ramsey and I was horrified by the amount of stu- student loan debt that I had. Because up until that point, it wasn't it wasn't even on my radar. It's like, oh, I'll pay for it later. I'll make lots of money later as an engineering graduate, right? Uh, and I did make a lot of money as an engineering graduate. So I'm glad I had that. But I remember if if some of my friends from the old days back in Houston, about 10 years ago when I graduated, when I was going out to dinner, I would purposefully eat rice and broccoli and beans at home before we went out to dinner. And then I would just have water, like I just go out there for the social part of it. And so every single time we went out to dinner I would always have water or maybe a small appetizer or something because I only gave myself I think it was like 200 dollars a month for food or something. So it was pretty extreme. I don't recommend that kind of scorched earth type of thing <laughs> because when you make, you know, when you're making 60 or 70,000 dollars like I was back in, you know, 10 years ago that kind of money you can proportionally spend, you can add a hundred bucks to your budget just to, to open up your life and start being a little bit more abundant thinking as well. So there's that balance that you kind of have yeah. to walk. That's so
0: yeah, yeah. Jeff, just curious was there anything crazy and extreme <laughs> that you had to resort to being on this whole? Um, yeah, for plan? sure.
2: Because two, two weeks before I finished my training, you know, I had a job lined up. We had a two month old, 300,000 student loan debt. We'd already purchased our home. But we we're just paying interest only because the banker that I knew, you know, that was before the oh six oh seven crash. So the only thing that you had to do back in Louisiana to buy a house is, hey, you know, a guy. And, oh, yeah, just sign this paper and it's yours. You know, that, that was it. So when all that happened and the deal, the, the deal fell through, had all that. Plus, you know, I, I didn't have a job now. I didn't know how to start a business. I did not know how to run a practice, anything. So I had to resort to answer your question, the, uh, crazy things. I had to resort to going back to what I used to do in high school and college and mow yards. I was probably the most highly trained yard guy in the United States at that time. But you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do to, to pay the bills. So I, I did that for a couple of summers until we were able to get on our feet.
0: Amazing. I love the, the humbleness and the humility that you're willing to do whatever it took I, I just think that that's so inspirational Well, to me and, and yeah, of me course too. to all of our listeners that like, don't let, you know, don't let your ego get in the way. Of your I goals, have a, right? a
2: funny story with extreme story with, with my wife. She called me one day when my son was, he probably wasn't even one years old yet. And she called me frantic at work, you know, thinking something happened or whatever. And she said, I, I just don't know what to do. So well, calm down. What's going on? She said, well, I went on a walk this morning and. When I got home, I realized that Brooks—that's one of our sons—somewhere along our two or three-mile walk spit out his pacifier, and I'm like, "Okay, well, what's the emergency? <laughs> you know, we can't afford another one." And I said, "It's okay." So she hung up the phone and, and re-walked the route, found it, and bolted it home. And that—that that was our mindset at that time. And we oh, were—we wow. were. uh that, but that's where we were, but it, it, it really took a long time for me to get out of that scarcity mindset because in school, I was like, was like you, I don't worry about my debt. I'm going to get out and make good money. All of this stuff happens. Then you go from, oh, everything's going to be a good abundance mindset to scarcity. Anything can be pulled out from you at any time. Um, last, you know, the 2020 pandemic brought back a lot of flashbacks for a lot of people, myself included, that, you know, one day we're treating patients and the next day you're told, well, you can't see patients again until we tell you. You know, for us, it was two months in Louisiana. So that was another eye-opening thing that, you know, I I'm, I'm actually was writing, a, I'm writing an article right now, right before we got on this call about, it doesn't really matter what profession or what career you're in, really no, no job or career is safe. You know, just look what happened, you know, last year. So that's more important to continue focusing on not just your active income to get all these other streams coming in, building in, and really going to happen quicker if you get both you and your spouse on the same page.
1: Right. If you're both heading in the right direction, it's a lot easier to direct that energy to things that are conducive to the common goals, right? So I think that's really, really important. And uh, I can definitely tell that that's a priority for you and your family. And so thank you for living that for us and being an example
2: there. Uh, another really uh, another now, cool I'm... thing that all of this is, has helped is being able to connect with our teenagers and, and teach them. And my 14-year-old last year read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was funny because he finished the book and the first question he asked, he was dead serious. He says, Dad, how can I get to the point where I don't pay any taxes either? I'm like, well, you got to get a job first, son. But I mean, just started getting the, you know, the, the thoughts and conversations going on in his mind. And it's really cool. Now we ride by an apartment complex instead of just riding by and them just looking out the window. It's, you know, dad, look how many uh, people are paying that guy rent, you know? So it's just a different way of, of thinking because, you know, yeah. as you know, if, for those that have kids, if you don't teach them. You know about finances and money and that sort of thing. Then our school system is going to do it, and look what it's you know doing to people. So um, I think it's really important to to be involved with your kids as you're learning along the way too, not just your spouse. Yeah, fantastic. How do you
1: think? Um, just a quick
2: aside here before we head off into uh, talking
1: more about passive investments a little bit more in detail for those who are starting out. But what would you say your journey has been like for your kids, right? Um, going from you know, having that experience on the ski slope to start having starting to have those conversations about budgeting. Uh, and sorry, son, we can't really afford that right now, or this isn't we're not doing that right now. This isn't part of our, that's just not what we do. And then from going from there to starting to invest in real estate and having this side business and what do you think that your kids are going through your kids' mind as you're as you're going through this journey yourself and what kind of legacy do you think you're setting up?
2: You know, we just got back from a trip a Montana and we love it out there. It was one of those all-inclusive places. Very, very expensive. But then the reason why I say it's expensive is because we we let our kids know. We we don't tell them the exact price, but we say, "Look, this is something that you know, most people can't do." And because of the different things that we invest in, we're allowed to come, you know, places like that. They they know where it comes from. We're constantly telling them, "If you want this type of lifestyle." Then these are the different principles and things that you need to do, unless you marry somebody rich. But, but this is what you need to do, so so that they know, you know. So it's not like they get out, they go to college, they get a job, and they're like, well, wait a minute, I, I how do you do this? I, you, we've been doing this all of our lives, and why didn't you tell me anything, you know? So we're very open about that. My youngest son, he's very real number numbers oriented real analytical, and he's already started the conversation with me that he wants to get more involved in real estate, maybe be an accountant or something like that so it's it's really cool to see where these different conversations that we have is, is going to lead them down the path to life.
1: that's fantastic. So many kids don't have these types of conversations with their parents because a lot of the parenting stigma or at least you know when I was growing up was that you keep the finances separate. Like you don't really reveal that to your kids just because, you know, we all grew up in an era, even me, where there's so much attachment to the net worth, to your self-worth. And that's not necessarily true because there's a mindset piece that comes with that that can pull you through and set both of those things. So, you know, I think that uh, being open and and, and honest with your kids, at least to some degree, about what it is that you're doing financially is going to help get them exposure to it early so they have a head start. And I can definitely tell that that's happening with your kids because they're asking you questions about, look at this apartment building here, look at all the people that are paying rent and how can I not pay taxes or how can I like reduce my tax burden? And starting to think at such a young age, that's really going to leave a, a, a very strong impression on them. No, up. he
2: said, how can we not pay taxes, not lower?
1: Not pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that's, I mean yeah i guess I guess there there is a way to do that, but it's a long <laughs> game but uh long string of ten thirty one exchanges for now <laughs> but but yeah uh but still, I think that that's pretty amazing that to start asking those questions at such a young age for sure it's really great um so let's let's shift over here. I wanted to ask um you know because uh you are a physician and you help people create passive income, uh, I imagine that you have quite a bit of passive investments yourself right
2: correct yes.
1: Yeah, And so being a passive investor, you must see things and see patterns with operators or people that you like to partner with. Uh, Could you maybe speak a little bit to what it is that you look for in partnering up with someone, especially for those who are out there that are maybe in your situation where uh, they have a full-time job, either they're working W-2 or they're at 1099 or they're they're someone that's a professional, owns their own business, right? Um, A self-professional. What would you say to them who are looking to get started in passive investing?
2: That's a, that's a really good question. And, and there's really no black and white answer. It, it's going to take a lot of time. It's taken me a lot of time and effort, trial and error. I think I told you early on the first syndication that I invested in, every investor lost all their money. And that was a crowdfunding deal. And that's, that, that's what yeah. got me from going investing online to investing with people one-on-one. And, I, and I've written about that on my website. So I'm, I'm very transparent about things. And, and I think if you talk with people that say that they've never lost money or they never had a deal go bad, or they've never had any problems and run, <laughs> it's, it's not true. That's just part of it. You know, failures are part of it. But the, the more people that I've invested with, the more you can see the pros and cons with them and compare them to the other people. You can, you know, like at meetings or events, networking, you can talk with people that have invested with people. And I think the longer that you do this, the more those same names start coming up, like who to invest with and who not to invest with. And so I, I think the, the more that you do your research and more people that you talk to, the, the number one, I tell people the number one thing for success with passive investing is finding the sponsor group that you can trust that has the track record. Because p- people are so focused on returns, you can put any number down. Oh yeah, we can do a eighty percent cash on cash return or whatever. You can finagle the numbers however you want it. But you know, I always tell people a uh, a good sponsor can make a bad deal good, but a bad sponsor can basically the opposite can make a a good deal bad. So that if, if you find somebody that knows what they're doing, then that's, you know, the key so that, you know, the track record, uh, their background, um, again, you could do, you know, I know some people that have gone so far to do background checks on people. You can look, you could listen to maybe some of their podcast interviews and, and then if they give resources, you know, check with them, you know, look at their investment, their, um, investment philosophy, uh, check with the different portfolio that they have, there how many deals have gone full cycle. Have they because, you know, one of the the people that I used to invest with, what they would tell you is it's gonna be a four or five year whole period. Well, it was like a seven or nine year whole period. Yeah, you know, it just right. versus some that actually will tell you five years and it actually sells in three and a half. So again, looking at portfolio of past projects is is uh, you know the key. Again, with, when we're talking about spouses here, you know, look, look at and come up with your, your risk. Are you very risk tolerant? Or are you risk averse? And so, for instance, you know, we have teenagers and I, I'm a little more risk averse. So I want something that's, that's not going to pay as much, but not as going to be risky as much. So uh, we tend to stay away from new construction things that don't have a track record. You know, I want to buy something that's cash flowing. it has a proven track record. And I'm not saying that, that you have to do that. But again, if if you're on the same page with your spouse, you know, your risk tolerance, then you can find sponsors that have the same type of investment philosophy, you know, that you have. You want to make sure that whenever you talk to their investors, ask about how they communicate. Are you going to be just put off from, you'll be talking to the sponsor during the initial call. Then after that, you're just put off on the side to some high school kid in a a cubicle that's doing their calls. You know, what type of communication do you get, email communication? So I think that's real important. Do they help? You know, a lot of times I'll ask, do they help with, uh, because physicians, you know, high income earners, taxes is our biggest, you know, expense. Are they openly or do they openly help or assist with tax strategies? Or can they connect you with people with that? So I actually have always had an accountant for my practice. But last year, I added another one that mainly just focuses on the real estate. And And I think that's really important that the bigger your real estate portfolio gets, the more advisors you have, because what they're going to save you in taxes is well worth you know, what you're going to pay them for, for sure. And then the last thing I always look for is, is make sure that the sponsors are actually putting their own money into it, into their project, because if they believe in the project they they should put their own money into it. So those are, those are the different steps that I take or recommend to evaluate a sponsor.
1: Man, so much wisdom there. Thank you, Jeff. I can tell that you've been doing this for a long time because those are universal practices that everyone can, it's not like tied to metrics or things. Cause like you said, those things can change all of the time. And so I I love everything that you said, and it's all comes down to networking and building up who, you know, in the space and finding someone that you trust to start, at least give yourself a launching platform, right. To move on. So thank you so much, Jeff. That's really great. Good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So much wisdom and great advice. And so, you know, as I'm hearing you share your story and your experiences, I'm often reminded that, you know, real estate investing or investing in general is not a linear path. And I, I was just wanting to ask you, you know, looking back with all of your ex- experiences and success, you know, were there any tough moments or what was the toughest moment if you'd like to share? And then what helped get you through those tough moments?
2: Yeah, the toughest moment that i Mentioned earlier was losing that money, but then having to tell my wife about it. You know, hey, honey, oh, how was your day? It was okay. By the way, we lost fifty thousand dollars in an investment, and it and I didn't invest for about a year after that. You know, I, I could have quit, but again, I remember that you know the multi multi millionaires they had you know ninety percent or more had real estate in their portfolio. So I knew that it can be done. It was being done. know you again you can turn you can look at how whenever you fail that's where you learn you know so i learned from my mistakes looking back on it i had no business investing in real estate at that time i mean i was i would look at the the website i look at the pictures i look at the returns i didn't know anything about it i didn't know anything about underwriting it was that apartment looks pretty good and yeah look at those numbers and i'm gonna invest in that that was it so Sooner or later, whether it would have been that deal or another deal, it was, it was definitely going to catch up to me. So it's probably good that it happened early on and which, you know, shifted my, you know, investing strategy to working with people that I know who they are, I know about them, I know where they live, I have their cell number, I'm I'm very involved with them. Because, you know, that probably the biggest hurdle for people initially is hey, I'm I'm about to give somebody that I don't really know 50 grand or 100 grand and just about to wire the money and it, it's a scary feeling unless you you know, know who they are so that that's why I think it's really important to to do your due diligence
1: upfront if you don't mind me asking jeff what was it that actually caused that the syndication or that that investment to implode
2: we can talk about it yeah it was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. we weren't informed that it was in a, an area that the crime was going up, more people were moving out than moving in. So the sponsors thought that they could put a whole lot of money into it really quick to try to get people to come back in, but they wound up running out of money and then the whole thing just folded. So again, if I would have known the sponsor, if, if I would have gone and looked at the property, looked at the neighborhood, and that's, that's what I do now, because I know people are really busy And they don't have time for all that. And that's why I wanted to create my site to be a a trusted resource for people. Because, I mean, I don't have to do it. I'm still making, you know, good money treating patients. But as you know, you know, your wife's a doctor. You know, we we have this big S on our shirt for not Superman, but sucker. You know, how many times are we pitch deals and, and we fall for it? And I'm trying to, again, trying to prevent that from happening to people. You know, I, I have to put my name on the line. So I, I take a lot of pride in that and my reputation on, is on the line. I mean, as you know, that there's nothing more important than the repu- uh, reputation, you know, that that's yeah. stated in the Bible. It's more important than money or gold or whatever. You know, if you're not a, a man or woman of your word, then what do you have? That's right. Man,
1: so much great advice here. I, I love this, Jeff. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And we're starting to head out to the end of our show at this point. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to ask you some questions that we ask all of our guests because it's a uh, it's kind of like what we do, kind of like the bigger pockets podcast, but we have our own five questions that we want to ask people. So we're gonna go ahead and do that right now. It's called our rapid round. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. <laughs> So number one is, and I think I may know the answer to this one, or there's two answers that I think I might know that you a- might answer with. What book has had the biggest
2: impact on you and why? Uh, I would say it's it's two books. First is the Bible, because any problem or issue that you can have, anything in life, you, you can find, find in there. And then the second one, I would say probably with most people that have gone down this road would be. Rich dad, poor dad, not so much getting specific things to do, but just opening your mind, just like it did to my 14 year old, opening your mind out there that, you know, hey, instead of just focusing on going to school, getting a job and working for money, you can get your money to work for you. That really, I think that really helped a lot with my mindset. That's awesome. Those were the two books that I thought you were going to say.
1: And for those listeners that are out there and have listened to all the podcasts up to now at this point, and you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, please, you've got to go do that. You've heard that said so many times from so many different podcast guests, you've got to get Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's such a great mind-opening book, as Jeff mentioned here.
0: If people wanted to emulate your success, what's the first actionable thing that they could do?
2: Hmm, That's a good question. If they're not in the habit of reading, I would start doing that, start educating themselves. I'm an old school guy. I like physical books, but if you, if you don't like physical books and you want to read on your phone, that's fine. But start the process of educating yourself, books, podcasts, networking with people, that sort of thing. Because the, the more you start to, to take in the more excited you become about it and the more that you learn.
1: Yeah. Love that. Definitely compound effect there for sure. Number three, what small thing do most people not know about you? Hmm.
2: <laughs> I would probably say that I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. I would rather, you know, be at home with, with my kids or wife or dog than, than really going out and going out and about. So that that's probably one of the things.
0: Yeah, I resonate with that. (laughs) And then next question is how do you like to unwind and restore your creative juices?
2: I would say for me, as soon I mean, it's like clockwork. As soon as I leave work every day, I hit the gym or hit the tennis court. And that really helps me clear my mind. And my wife can tell if I go from work straight home and I start walk and I walk in and I start Barking orders or whatever, she said. You haven't been to the gym yet. She knows. She said you better leave right now. <laughs> Don't come in here. So uh, that that's really helped me to stay
1: balanced. That's great. Thank you. Good advice. All right, and last question is: What is your guys's favorite family vacation spot to go travel?
2: Uh, actually, we just got back from it a few days ago. I mentioned to you uh, we love the mountains, so we were in Montana, but you know, Colorado, uh, Utah, anything where we can. Uh, get away from the Louisiana heat and humidity during the summer uh, <laughs> that would be mine and but I think I really think that my wife and kids it, it's somewhere with a, a a great beach so they're more beach people but we have a happy medium you know I can go where I want to go and bring everybody and then I'll go with them to the beach too
1: that's fantastic Love it. All right. Well, very, very cool. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff, for being on the show. Uh, what we want to do now is give you a little bit of space to tell the audience more about what you do and where they can find you uh, and how they can connect with you in general if they want to learn more about you and, and what you have to offer.
2: Yeah, they could uh, go to my website, debtfreedr.com. I've actually put together a free passive income guide. So they can go to uh, go to the homepage and, and click on it, or they can go to debtfreedr.com forward slash free guide. If they have any specific questions, they can email me, jeff, J-E-F-F, at debtfreedr.com. be more than happy to help them uh, any way that um, I can.
1: Yeah. And that, that comes very highly recommended, obviously, to everyone out there who is uh, in the situation that Jeff is in or, or even just wants to learn more about passive investing. Jeff is clearly an expert in the space. And so, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you on as well.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, I think yeah. you guys are doing a lot of good, especially for married couples. So keep up the good work.
1: Thank you so much, oh, Jeff. You. We
2: really appreciate that. And for all of you
1: out there that have listened uh, out to the end of the podcast, we want to thank you for listening to Elevate Your Equity. And uh, if you can, wherever you're listening to this, please like and subscribe. Doesn't matter where you're doing it. If it's on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or wherever, uh, please just comment and engage with us because we want to get better. And we also want to uh, get in good favor of the algorithm gods so that we continue to move up the chain and get exposure to more people so we can all thrive together, right? And learn from each other more. So uh, please do that. And that being said, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. And this is Derek.
0: And this is Sophie. And
1: uh, we are signing off. Thanks, everyone.